0: Hi everybody, today we have another episode of the series Investing at 25, the series that I started when I turned 25 last year. In this series, we're just going to be talking to different startup founders, industry experts about their journeys, the mindset shifts that they've had from their 20s to the 30s and of course beyond. Let's start to dive straight into a new journey today. Today we have Kevin Rito from Austria. Uh, someone who started coding at the age of 13. I was literally just reading your profile, Kevin, and it's so cool and amazing uh, how you started off from, uh, you know, web two. Now you're diving into a space called web three, which again, some of us are still unaware of contrastfully, uh, but you are someone who has made a name for himself. I recently saw your post on LinkedIn, and I think that's what got me super curious to talk to you. How are you teaching web three and building smart contracts and <laughs> NFTs to 11-year-olds? I think that's where I... I really was just like amazed I was like okay wait I need to talk to this man how is he doing this how did you get started and now how are you helping other people get started so that's all I want to know feel free to share more about you know your journey and uh, yeah I'm gonna give it back to you wow
1: um, first of all thank you for that uh, kind or great introduction um, really appreciate uh, it to be here today Um. thank you for having me Um. yeah Let's let's start with why I'm teaching kids basically wow. it's not my project it's from coding for kids that's an Austrian initiative that actually organizes coding sessions for free mm-hmm. for kids between 10 and 15 years old. And yeah, usually it's uh, they have a beginner's course and an advanced course, right? mm-hmm. beginners is around scratch. I did that the last two years or three years, I'm not sure. And uh, oh. they also since last year, I believe have these advanced courses. Right? Mm-hmm. And since that I have my own blockchain company, I decided, hey, actually it would be an interesting experiment mm-hmm. to try to teach smart yep. contracts <laughs> to, kill, uh, to children, right? Because
0: mm-hmm.
1: I haven't seen that before. I, right. I'm sure it's out there. Someone did it, right? Mm-hmm. But um, it's, yeah, experienced developers are scared of smart contracts sometimes. So I thought that's going to be fun, hopefully. But how
0: is it going so far? How many, like, are, is this like an ongoing course that anybody can access around the world? Or is it just for Austrian kids in the local language? And for particular schools, how does it work? Yeah,
1: it's actually just a local initiative. Okay. It's really in a physical room, mm-hmm. uh, 12, 13 kids, kids, something okay. around there. Yeah. Basically, it, it was just one week, right? It's always mm-hmm. just one week course, which made it extra challenging because um, right.
0: yes. uh,
1: you just can't start uh, developing smart contracts right away. You need to have some basic knowledge around wallets, what is blockchain at all, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because um, otherwise, nothing what we would do that week would make sense. you yeah, one just...
0: question though. On that note, uh, how do you explain blockchain or metaverse or NFTs or smart contracts to an eleven year old? And honestly. I I I know, a lot of us yeah. will benefit from this. So feel free to,
1: you know, <laughs> dance with the common man here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I asked that myself as well. Mm-hmm. In general, I believe or when I fought back to my basically sessions when I listened to a teacher, the moments when I actually learned something and really listened to the teacher was when he was talking about experiences, when he was talking about like, like really doing amazing comparisons Mm -hmm. when you when he got emotional and all these kind of things so i thought or basically then tried to be as enthusiastic as possible meaning that i really got into the class and just started talking about why does this crazy space exist at all right what is it all about and (laughs) i even talked about um I would say, money printing, because I think it was uh, something mm-hmm. many in there could relate to, right? Things got more expensive <laughs> and so on. And uh, basically, we really, first day, it was, I would say, 75% or uh, yeah 60% theory, mm-hmm. which usually sounds very boring. Yeah. But um, from what I observed was they really enjoyed it. They asked questions without an end. And we really loved, uh, I think... Yeah, a lot, and yeah, b- basically, I, d- I just tried to wrap everything that I had to say around blockchain mm-hmm. with a personal story, right? and I, I even talked about uh, scams. Right, I said <laughs> a friend approached me one a few months ago, uh, lost zero point mm-hmm. X bit- Bitcoin for whatever reason, and yep. things like that. Right, and that's mm-hmm. when everyone actually starts to listen, right?
0: Yep. Yep. I think those stories are actually very memorable, you know, because even until today, like everybody talks about the pizza guy. Who earned some Bitcoin like yeah. back in the day? You know? So those stories really stay with you. Uh, people might still not understand Bitcoin or know what it is, but everybody sort of knows that story. Um, but again, coming back, like stepping a little uh, back from the story that uh, about the course that you're doing, which is amazing. Honestly, I really hope one day it's accessible to everyone, all the kids around the world, and it becomes a part of normal traditional mm-hmm. curriculum. Uh, because I think it's a space that everybody needs to get involved in much earlier on in life, and it's a really good, uh, you know, field as well for kids to grow into um, in their childhood but I would really love to know how did you get started Uh, so what is your background and how did you get involved in web3 Uh, you are currently hosting a podcast of your own Also a co-host of two other podcasts, Decode and one more. And uh, you have your own blockchain development company as well, where you now help other people as well as companies to get involved in uh, the blockchain space. So I would love to know, how did you get started from a traditional background and now straight into this new world of uh, metaverse and also pulling other people in, which I really like. Yeah.
1: um, Thank you for that. Um, That's a great question, though. I basically, as you said, um, I I don't want to bore anyone with my Web2 journey in Mm. general, but I just done it out, uh, developing as usual with uh, creating websites at right. age of 13, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's one of the easiest things to do at that age. Not really.
0: You still think like that. It's not easy. In, in
1: comparison
0: in comparison
1: sorry i I didn't (laughs) want to uh, trigger anyone here Uh, (laughs) but um yeah basically i was always super curious about uh, bleeding Mm -hmm. edge technologies so i basically wasn't focused at all i tried everything i got my hands onto quantum computing on a super superficial level a super super high level Mm -hmm. and for sure blockchain was also part of it uh creating or developing compilers and things like that so I, i just was curious and tried out a lot of things and at some point, um, I basically got approached by someone on LinkedIn and he, yeah, we, we just met up. Mm-hmm. He asked me to basically join his blockchain startup at that time. It was, I think, mm-hmm. 2017 or okay. something like that. And um, yeah, it was a decentralized identity startup, right? It, which is now popping up again with all that Soulbound token uh, hype, right? And uh, <laughs> I said no. <laughs> um yeah be- because i didn't really so i some context i had a startup uh, at the same time and also had some experience regarding all that startup thing. Okay. so i felt like there isn't that much there already like a lot of mm-hmm. uh, it didn't feel like that's going somewhere right okay. so i said no and funnily i would say half a year later uh, a former friend of mine approached me mm-hmm. and also said hey have you a need to join a blockchain startup Right. Um, I have someone here mm-hmm. and as you can imagine already it was the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah at that time I just thought okay let's let's give it a shot. Um okay. interestingly also that is what got me started right but right. interestingly okay. I just mm-hmm. was there for I think 6 8 months something mm-hmm. like that and yeah then my original assumption basically strengthened right. yeah. so I moved away from that but since then I decided to actually focus on blockchain and yeah mm-hmm. it really got got me I would say yeah
0: really nice but how did you start off learning about blockchain uh, like did you have let's say um, a certain like time scheduled every day like for example I've seen people you know like and that's something that I'm trying as well like put out 30 minutes every day just to learn about this new space because again everybody has these like schedules and work and like you for example have your own startup so it's really hard to prioritize right so how did you go about prioritizing doing what you were doing already and then also learning how to get involved in this new space
1: that's a super interesting question i'm still dealing with that right. um it changed for me over time right? mm. it always depends, depends on the context right i basically yes sometimes yeah um i just started some projects right i thought that would be cool without okay. even having the background to do so mm. i just started and tried to uh, go one step at a time towards right. that end product right <laughs> um which for sure only works if you're a developer most of the mm-hmm. time right mm-hmm. otherwise uh you always have to be super serious yep. and actually found a startup right mm-hmm. but um that was one approach i did a lot especially in the also when i just started out with basically all technologies and um over time for sure reading book uh, as you said half an hour which is funnily the exact yep. same <laughs> yeah. period i had as well mm-hmm. Or, um, yeah, at some point it also just got part of my work, right? Right. When Mm -hmm. I basically needed something, I had to look it up and that suddenly happened every day Mm -hmm. so i didn't have to actually put up 30 minutes every day um but still uh, reading books and everything and hands-on experience like really doing something in the space talking with awesome people like you for example and uh, discussing things mm -hmm. all around awesome
0: and also would love to know like for example you were always a developer so you learned how to code and uh, that's been your passion for a very very long time um, did you have any other skill set that you had to learn to get more into the blockchain space? Or was it a continuation of what you already knew?
1: Um, yeah, as a blockchain developer, you have to be extra careful, right? <laughs> You really have to start testing more if you didn't right. Uh, beforehand, right? Because many developers and companies itself uh, aren't really into tests, right? They just develop. Does it work? Yes. Does, doesn't it? Fix it. right? <laughs> On blockchain, you can't most of the time, right? You have to make sure that it works right away to a large extent. Otherwise, um, you mm-hmm. and your customers or company partners aren't happy, right? True. And even less uh, the people using the contract.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, basically, test on development, um, really focusing on security, efficiency, performance-based double, uh, programming which also isn't uh, the main focus uh, of Web2 devs, right? Mm-hmm. Because you have the resources, A storage is cheap, which isn't the case for blockchain, right? right. And um, all these kind of things, right? It's, it's different, I would say. Um, but in general, also requirements engineering and project management, right? Since you actually need to know, what the customer wants Mm -hmm. and what has to be changeable maybe, what kind of parameters and so on. You really have to know what should be the end product because as I said, you can't change much afterwards. And that's an issue. So now
0: that you have your own company as well, right? Where let's say uh, you have enough knowledge on how this new whole development works uh, you have enough projects under your belt that you've already worked on you know what it you know what it basically is right uh, now when you have your own startup where you are helping other companies to get involved in blockchain uh have you faced a certain type of challenge when you're bringing traditional companies into blockchain um
1: first of all i wouldn't say that um... Anyone knows enough. Um, Yeah, challenges uh, regarding Web2. Yeah, I think it's the understanding of the cultural... Uh, shift itself, right. right? Um, That's what I think even for Web3 developers is sometimes hard. Uh, I think in general for everyone, when just starting out, it's a little bit hard to understand, True. right? People are thinking differently, they have different priorities, mm-hmm. um, also within the Web3 space, right? There's the Bitcoin community, there's yeah. the Ethereum community. Okay. And then there are layer 2s, right? There's <laughs> Polygon, uh, Wallops and everything, and everyone... NFT communities and everyone really thinks different and has some tiny nuances
0: mm-hmm.
1: of each other. I think understanding that as a company can be challenging.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And also the fact that um, what I also discovered is you basically, it's super hard to find talent, web three talent, right? Um, either they have a company, right? Or... Uh, They already are employed somewhere, or they're super, super expensive, right? Because they already made it somehow Mm -hmm. with their crypto investments. And um, yeah, right? Then it's hard to pay them. So most of the time, um, you have to convince them that educating your existing employees to -hmm. become web-free developers, marketers, whatever, is the actual way to go right now, at least. And yeah, that it's probably going to be cheaper that way.
0: Yeah, that's true. But in terms of talent, uh, Kevin, so this might be a platform where there will be a lot of people. Um, let's say mostly from you know the South Asian um, you know part of the world uh, maybe watching this later on. So if there's anything that you want to talk, like you want to say to that talent existing over there, uh, we have a really big developer community. Uh, people are looking for jobs, you know, looking for remote jobs, Web three jobs. Um, what would you like to say to them?
1: One thing that I hear from clients all the time
0: mm-hmm.
1: is communication. Right. Right. And, and trust
0: mm-hmm.
1: those two things, right. Um, I'm not sure as a, if you're serious about your project and one thing, I don't think a company would ever, um, engage or really, um, most of the time with yep. anonymous developers right? That's the first thing. So basically build uh, trust around your personal brand, maybe Mm -hmm. be on LinkedIn, have a a Twitter profile, be active, engage with people that creates trust around you as a person. And more importantly, communication. Because what I hear all the time is um, people don't understand many developers, right? Mm -hmm. uh, have a s- super strong accent, yep, which I think I have to some extent as well. I'm working on that, or um, they overcomplicate uh, their speech. Right? It's hard I for would them agree to with that
0: part uh, with the second part yeah. more than the first one because I think it really comes down to you know how you talk. Like for example, in the marketing world where I'm from, we I have seen that so many people sometimes just talk in a language which is just full of jargons. And sometimes people wouldn't understand that. Uh, I think similar complications lie on the web development side as well. Uh, You know, where sometimes people are talking in terms where it just gets too much to even understand. Uh, And like you mentioned, like in any company, there are different departments, but they need to work together. Uh, So in order to communicate those goals and communicate the results or whatever ideas you have, you need to be able to talk to each other in the language that they understand. So it's a really good point that you mentioned. Thank
1: you for saying that. Yep. 100%. Uh, Just imagine uh, the customer, client, whoever tells you something they want, right? Mm -hmm. And either you don't understand it or they don't understand what you uh, suggest them, Mm -hmm. right? Both is a huge issue and leads to, yeah, much more expenses on the client side, which isn't desirable. And that's a problem. Right. There's a saying for that as well, right? If you have to cover up your argumentation with a complex jargon, mm-hmm. as you said it, um, then most of the time it's because of the lack of deep knowledge, right? The simpler your, uh, your speech true. is, the more you actually understand something, mm-hmm. usually, right? Not always, but it's a good indicator for that.
0: That is really, really cool that you mentioned that. So whenever I'm speaking to you know people in the Web3, uh, there are certain terms that come up. You know, so I recently spoke to uh, another member of the community as well, and she's super involved in uh, you know building and representing the women in the space. Um, she's from France. She's an artist, and we were just talking about the basic again, you know, terminology. With you, I would really want to understand because on your profile and in your website as well, I see uh, terms like DeFi, uh, TreFi. Traffi was the first time that I've seen it uh, in my life, so I would really want to understand. Like, if you can maybe explain those, but in you know, simpler language.
1: Um, yeah, sure. Um, Trafi, i I'm, I have seen it differently on different places as well. Some okay. write it with an, an D right, <laughs> Trafai, and some with okay. Trafi. Mm-hmm. But in general, it's just regular finance.
0: Like, mm. Okay. Okay. Um,
1: sorry. Like everything you see. Mm-hmm from day-to-day, bank, banking systems, everything. Right? Cool. It's just Even the they current cool state-of-the-art. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's traditional <laughs> finance. It's just an abbreviation. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> but it's a cool abbreviation, though. <laughs> nice, yeah. and the uh, DeFi would be decentralized finance, but if you can also exactly. you know uh, simplify that term, like mm-hmm. what
1: exactly does that mean? Yeah, in general, decentralized finance is nothing else on a high level then you don't have to trust an institution
0: mm-hmm.
1: right there's no intermediary there's no bank or something like that that actually for example has your money or explicitly offers you certain rates where you can buy if you're on bitcoin for mm-hmm. example for your dollars something like that it's developed with so-called smart contracts which is code on the blockchain right Mm -hmm. so basically these rules because smart contracts are nothing else than programmable rules that you have to follow if you engage with that blockchain code you can interact with the finance sector in a more Mm -hmm. trustless way right you don't have to trust anyone nice except the code (laughs)
0: Yep, <laughs> important to mention. Uh, but yeah, Kevin, one or two maybe last questions uh, from my side would be: um, your goals have obviously shifted from a 13-year-old who started coding, and then you you know followed that traditional footsteps as well. Let's say you graduated, started working on your projects, and then you dive straight into a completely new world of Web three. So I would really want to understand how have your goals shifted from you know your teens, twenties sorry how old are you now
1: 25
0: oh my god this is.
1: <laughs> what did you think <laughs>
0: <laughs> a little bit older i thought maybe 28 29
1: really wow yeah. okay cool
0: yeah yeah oh my god that's amazing um, okay yeah then i would love to know, like what are your goals in your 20s and what do you want to achieve as a person
1: um yep yeah, that's an awesome question basically because they really shifted a lot mm-hmm. and oftentimes um which for the better and worse at the same time. Yep. I would say for a long, long time, I didn't really had some specific goal, but water had the hunger to learn for mm. a I think really long time. I think right. until the age of 19 or something like that, 18. I only had that, right? I only wanted to learn, to try out, to grow, right? There wasn't anything like I want to earn a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I I didn't even was aware of too much of all that, right? Mm -hmm. And even when founding my own first startup, it was like um, I want to grow that to learn with that. And at some point of time, because the first startup I founded was a social tech startup, Mm -hmm. I really wanted to make an impact, right? I wanted to uh, change the world, which is already a big mistake because you should always start with yourself, right? But I started with trying to change the world. (laughs)
0: Because again, you only break it down. Yes, it's good, it's good, it's good.
1: Exactly, yeah. Yeah, in in general, the goal at that time was, to help others, mm-hmm. uh, helping each other, right. To give incentives that people actually do something good, right. Amazing. Be it monetary or some kind of, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And I would say that goal, that vision was super strong, probably the strongest I ever had in my whole life, uh, which sounds <laughs> crazy <laughs> for 25 year old. No, it's but, good. good, um, good. Yeah, it basically was so strong that uh, mm-hmm. it, it was a really emotional one for me. Mm-hmm. I, I really, really, really believe that. And every time, yeah, I, I really think I was like blinded by that in some kind of sense as well, mm-hmm. um, which was one of the reasons why it really was a social startup and mm-hmm. uh, had a hard time to actually commercialize it in some kind of sense, because either we were too commercialized right? If we tried it hard, or we were too social for many things, investors and everything, and that led to a lot of problems. Had. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. I have a question on that, though, yeah, Kevin. Sure. There's one quote that you mentioned, which is your favorite quote, and now that I'm, you know, getting to know the actual Kevin, I would really want to understand what quote. What does this actually mean to you when you say that? Uh, your favorite quote is, life just has to be meaningful enough to justify its suffering by Jordan Peterson. What does that mean? Yeah,
1: um, that that's great. Um, so in general, I'm, I just want to say I like many things Jordan Peterson says, but mm-hmm. I know that many people don't like him because some uh, other, some things he's saying. I want to distance myself from all that political
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Uh, stuff out there. But in general, um, the saying itself had actually really huge impact on me at that time. I heard it the first, uh, the first time, basically, because um, I, I know everyone goes to many things. Right? Everyone has problems. Everyone has mm-hmm. issues. Uh, that victim trap is uh, really bad. You should never be in that. From my perce- perspective, for myself... I had some things to deal with. Like I got, uh, how to say it in English? I got mobbed. Is that Mm -hmm. English? Mm -hmm. yeah, got mobbed in school. I got um, excluded in many kind of things. Um, I got a daughter at a very early age, like 18 years old, uh, which was uh, great. It's great Mm -hmm. now, right? But was super hard on me at that time, especially because I got mobbed at that time as well. So Mm -hmm. it was a lot of things coming up. Basically, I had no perspective on life, got into a huge depression and everything. uh, Mm -hmm. And really was, I would say, on the edge. One day I actually was close to actually die with a car accident. I let how to put it, we were on the mountain. It was an open car and we walled down. right. We were a little bit too fast. I even had the camera. Although I was not the driver for context. Mm-hmm. I had the camera in my hand.
0: Yep.
1: <clears throat> even filmed that. And um yeah, in the curve, right? Yep. We we f- fell down and we survived it. Right. There was like a small tree or something like that, which uh, saved us. Oh. And that was the first time for many years I actually wanted to live (laughs) because I didn't want to die. And that was the moment when I actually discovered, uh, I overcame my depression at that time. Um, there was a process before that for sure. Sure. And, um, that actually was, so this quote basically meant a lot to me in that regard, right? You, always will undergo a lot of suffering. There will always be many things, right? That aren't pleasing, some kind of sense, right? It's normal, people die, um, illness, things don't work out as you want, right? Everyone has that. And um, in general, life can be so awesome, right? Um, You just have to understand that it, isn't always that way. You just have to keep perspective that that suffering that you might go through right now is temporary, right? You can get out of that and really make something great for yourself and for others, right? After you did that. And that's awesome.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that, Kevin. Honestly, I was not expecting... Um this, but I'm so glad that you shared that because again, you know, it puts like more uh, of a human aspect and a human perspective to this whole thing that we just talked about before. Uh, because experiences and labels and web three, web two, and da-da-da-da-da, we sometimes forget the human aspect, right? And I'm really glad that you brought that uh to this. And thank you so much again for sharing that. It's-
1: thank you for asking. or in some kind of sense, maybe overshared, but yeah. No,
0: it's all good. It's all good. I'm actually really, again, you know, there is never oversharing. It's always about what you feel right, what you feel in the moment, and then you just say it. There Mm -hmm. is never no regrets, nothing like that. It's all good. No worries. But yeah, one last question from my side would be, since you are a 25-year-old who has gone through some major life changes and experiences, professionally and personally, um what do you think are like the main things that people should invest their time money and energy in as a 20 in someone in their 20s let's say
1: mm, try things and your time is best invested in something that you actually are passionate of right yep. if you don't know what it is yep. try it right try certain things it doesn't need to be web free right many people claim that's the solution for everything right now. It isn't Mm -hmm. right. Um, It's a huge industry. It will explode 100 percent. But if you don't like it, don't do it. Just because everyone is rushing in Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't mean you should as well. right? Um, But if you like it, if you are passionate about any of these kind of topics, then sure, spend your time, maybe your money and yeah whatever other resources you have on Mm -hmm. that and try it out. And if you don't like it anymore at some point of time, don't be too proud to step Mm -hmm. away from it again, Mm -hmm. try something else. That's something I learned, um, for myself. And I think that's really powerful actually to not be scared what other people think to actually pursue what makes you fulfilled. Mm-hmm. right happiness is a temporary aspect but actually being fulfilled liking what you do in general like your vision purpose and yeah everything else money uh, success in life i think or i hope uh mm-hmm. comes into place like automatically right
0: wow no i really love that honestly Uh, One of the reasons why I started this whole series was because, you know, again, when we talk about investing, somehow it's only linked to money. But I think for me, it really matters that whatever it is that you invest, whether it's money, time, or your energy or resources, like you mentioned, you need to be very mindful about it. And that's exactly been the whole, uh, like the theme of what we've talked about as well. So thank you so, so much for, you know, giving your time and for sharing um your experiences. Honestly, I am 110% sure that someone out there will definitely try one thing or another only because um if they're listening to you. So thank you so much. Wow.
1: I say thank you and thank you
0: everyone for listening to this. Really a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much, Kevin. Well, that was it for this episode. Stay tuned for more episodes on our Spotify, Investing at 25. You can also reach out to us on LinkedIn as well as YouTube. Let me know if you want me to cover something else with any topics or comments that you have. I would love to hear your feedback.